0: Welcome to the CityDAO Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Gilbert-Williams. CityDAO is exploring decentralized asset ownership on chain, starting with a simple piece of land purchased in Wyoming during 2021. Each parcel of land becomes an NFT that can be owned collectively by the DAO or by individuals, just like you and me. CityDAO is a DAO. In other words, it's a decentralized autonomous organization, meaning that land governance, treasury, and other things, including this show you're listening to right now, are all managed by the community check out the FAQ at CityDAO.io to learn more, or check out the CityDAO Discord channel to get all the latest updates. Now let's get started with the show. Welcome back everyone to the Dow podcast. We're well into the double digit realm of total episodes launched. And today we're here with yet another episode of the Dow Citizens series, which is just like it sounds, all about Dow citizens. This is where we get to know A little bit more about each other, and to talk about really cool DAO stuff. So today we have Fuller Blaster with us, one of the recently elected City DAO council members, a very active community member who's now essentially filled his role in the community council. So we'll be able to, you know, talk a little bit about how that went and and get some perspectives. And we're also going to talk a little bit about the subject of national politics. Is it dead? We're going to talk a little bit about operating a DAO within our existing legal systems or outside of it. I mean, what's legal in such a very gray, gray world? It's a powerful question that we're all asking ourselves. And the subject of national states in contrast to anarchy and the role of curiosity within a DAO and how that plays out. So, all right, lots to cover here. Let's do it. Philip Blasterman, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know it's it's great to get to know each other a little bit more on this type of a show. I really look forward to it every time. I hope listeners do as well. And uh, I know we got a lot to cover. I mean I mean the big thing right now, so we're recording here in the middle of March and the council has essentially just fulfilled its term. And just as a background, people that are joining in for the first time, the City DAO, DAO is of course trying to and moving towards autonomization and decentralization. And part of that is to move away from the original ideators, which were a core group of, you know, obviously starting with one person then growing to five. And now there was a council elected in, a total of 21 people earlier this year. And the role is to set up some of the charter and set up some of the processes to continue moving in this decentralized direction. That uh, was a 30-day term, lots and lots and lots of meetings, hundreds of man hours went into these meetings. And Philip Blaster was a part of that council, a part of the 21 people. And the 30-day term that existed for the council is now essentially done, and now we're moving forward into the next step. So that's a little bit of a framework. And filibuster man, first of all, did I say anything wrong there? And love to hear you know your thoughts on, on you know, now that all that energy's—I don't want to say it's gone because it's never gone—but now that that big 30-day window is is come and gone, like how do you feel? What's going on?
1: I have to say, just for full clarity's sake, so my work has just gotten totally like out of control and in the last couple of weeks. And so I only was able to really be an active participant in the first couple of weeks. And I tried to give feedback to in the ways that were, were needed. But you know, it seemed like people are moving forward in a really excellent way. And I what you know, I felt like people had I trusted the people who were moving forward with the different decisions. And you know, I think we're in a pretty good place. I think there are still a lot of questions, you know, that people have to figure out, and I don't know if they can be figured out by a council, right? Of like, you know, what are we going to do now that we have a better framework for working together, right? Because that, that's really what this was. And now what are we actually going to do? And, and like, you know, there are many directions that we can take and, you know, everyone has their different goals and interests and directions they want to take. So it's sort of an emergent process that comes from these like groundwork that was laid by the council. So I'm excited to see what's next. So my my job is I'm working on a, a local politics, a local campaign for DC Council for Zachary Parker is the, the candidate. Uh, Ward 5 is the area in DC. And until June 21st, I won't be able to be as active of a member as I want to be. But I'm really excited to see how things have have moved forward and it feels like we're professionalizing and utilizing what we have in a way now that we have a little bit more structure so that's yeah it's exciting do you think that the council process
0: that 30 day process helped move us forward towards a decentralized direction or
1: you know do you think that we still have a long way to go like what are your thoughts on that well so i'm actually a bit of a contrarian about some of the stuff in that i i don't know if full decentralization like people people are like we need to be as decentralized as possible and it's like well, I think we need a balance. And so far we've had in our current systems, we have so much centralization. And I view web three and, and DAOs as more of a movement away from that, right? A movement towards having as there's a rich history of moving away from centralization in cooperatives in, you know, the solidarity economy is, is another term for kind of the, the network and ecosystems of cooperatives. But. There hasn't been the technological tools to do that across the world, or at least that there, there hasn't been that kind of drive to do that. And I think what's really cool is DAOs allow us to put more decentralization in. I do think though, like, yeah, we what I've always admired about City DAO is it does feel like unlike other DAOs, it doesn't just depend on the on the courtroom, on the the people who started it. And so it was really nice to formalize that in the council and create a lot of leaders that and now, you know, the money and the decision making power is put in these guilds. And I think that that is going to be really critical. So we we do need that that kind of tension, that balance. And I think we've moved uh, much more towards that because a lot. the And so let's unpack that for a second for people that
0: are listening and want to understand and even for myself, too. Let's explain so at a high level, we start with one person doing a tweak. There's a little bit of a raise. We buy some land, right? A community forms around it. And mm-hmm. then a council forms to help organize the community. And now you mentioned the word guilds. And help us understand the role of guilds in the evolution of this community.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think guilds are going to be that decentralization, right? Where Where there are the different functions and different processes that we have as a community, as an organization.
0: Gotcha. The whole purpose of this series, of the the Citizen Series, is to get to know each other a little bit better, of course. And as we know, almost every DAO functions in major part by volunteers. And volunteers by default are not paid and somehow have to manage their time contributing unpaid with day jobs and with family and everything that comes with it. And, you know, I just moved in my new place and and yesterday is when we finished it. And it's like, geez, we got to get this done because (laughs) we're recording a show. We're like right away. we got to make sure it works good. So everyone gets involved at different points at different times and contributes different things in different fashions. So it's not surprising to me that you were really active in the first two weeks and then less active on the last two, because the opposite is true too. Other people who were not as active in the first two weeks ended up being more active in the final two weeks. And that's the reason there's more than one person. So it's a shared workload. Before we just jump into your origin story, so I want to know a little bit, little bit more about that. Uh, maybe you could describe to people what the first two weeks were like, and what it felt like to be a volunteer council member in the formation of something, you know, historic and relatively, uh, potentially very significant.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was very, I felt honored. I felt like, you know, we were just meeting constantly like it was it was sort of a bit of organized chaos and we were hashing through a lot of the different debates that you know that will continue to be had in in the doubt and a lot of people were meeting in little group and working on you know the rules of cooperation or the way that we were going to meet or kind of trying to to drive things or organize things yeah i mean it was it was a bit of a blur <laughs> but it was really inspirational to be with these different folks who. You know, we were all, you know, had different visions and had different ideas about what was the most important thing. What was City Town? And yeah, a lot of it was just like hashing through little, little detail after little detail, but also a lot of time spent at a high level. So, you know, it, it was, it was like a constant jump around and yeah, I mean, I'm definitely excited about where we've ended up, but I think the, the story is yet to be written.
0: It is. It's being written as we go. Yeah. And what do you do in your day job?
1: So I am uh, managing a local campaign for D.C. council. So people often don't know this, but our city council is essentially a state legislature. But there's only 13 council members. So each council member position is a really important position. And I'm working on my local race. So there's at-large, there's five at-large council members, and then there's one for each of the eight wards in D.C., and so people don't always know that D.C. is itself a community and <laughs> there's a rich history here. Lots of interesting pensions. We're not. you know, People say, oh, D.C.'s the problem. Well, those are actually usually the people that other people are sending to our city <laughs> to represent them. But we don't actually have a say in national politics. So, you know, I used to do national politics a lot, working on statehood to try and say, hey, we, we deserve national representation, too. We're, you know, 700,000 people more than two other states. And then I got really frustrated with trying to move the national political station. And I realized local politics has just as much power. It's a different kind of power and there's certain limitations to it, but it is a lot of power and it's a lot the way you can have a real impact as one or just a few people.
0: And how did you like bump into Citydale? What's the story of your discovery of it? I mean, I have to imagine there's some connections and some very clear bridges between your day job and what we're doing here. What's the story?
1: Yeah, I mean, less so than it was. Sort of, you know, I'm obsessed with with Web three on on the side, and it's always been something that's fascinating to me, especially DAOs and the idea of cooperatives, which I believe is sort of one of the the key things we talk about in the in Zachary's campaign. Is you know, we need to give more ownership not to individual businesses but to community business, to community well, you know, community owned, community run businesses that don't build wealth for one owner, but build wealth for the community. So that's a lot where my politics lies. And so I that's why I love DAOs in general. And I've also just, especially since the pandemic, but even beforehand, also when you're stuck in cities, you long for land and you long for space and fresh air and fresh water and growing food and being that connection to the land. And I also just feel in general that, land and food and water resource, like those kind of basic needs, water resources are going to be what's valuable in the long run. And there are so many scams and so much bullshit in Web3 that, you know, it's hard to to know what to believe in. And this seemed like one of the few projects that had something real that it was oriented around. And that felt really intriguing, if not totally figured out. But, you know, I found that intriguing, (laughs) interesting and compelling and valuable. Are you a part of any other DAOs right now? Not really. Yeah. Mostly been doing local organizing, uh, wanting to kind of create, maybe not necessarily a DAO, but a cooperative that can use some of the principles and things I'm learning from organizing on the web for local, for DC, for a local community, which I think DAOs also sometimes ignore is the is the importance of local too and being connected to it. And, I, and again this is another reason i found city compelling is there are meetups there were people actually thinking about the connection between technology and placelessness with place and actual real space that can that's where the change happens often is is when we can get together around space like technology is just a tool for facilitating whatever we want to do in real life what do you think about the
0: connection between what you experience in your day job, working in the political realm, and, for example, the voting process that happened here at CityDAO, uh, or even the vision of building a city on the Ethereum blockchain? Like, like, do you see that as a? a short-term, tangible initiative? Like, for example, Republic of the Marshall Islands at a federal level just recognized the DAO countrywide. Obviously, it's a very tiny, tiny country, but it did happen just like Wyoming did. And then, you know, El Salvador has embraced Bitcoin. There's going to be a physical city someday in the real world. Either city DAO is going to create one that tries to function as a city or an existing city is going to start incorporating DAO principles and DAO voting systems into their structure. And I don't know if this is a short-term or a long-term thing. Like, what do you think? Do you think that we're going to see a DAO governance in a real physical city in the United States in the short term or the long
1: term or ever at all? It's a good question. I think if anything, it would be in the long term. I think in the short term, we can start to let a city, decentralized city emerge, right? Where it's piece by piece, the pieces get plugged into a bigger framework. And that's honestly, at least what I find inspirational and interesting or as a viable, both short and long-term path for for city down and I think there will be local governments that create a city coin. Personally I don't like the city coin project just because I don't think that it actually is capturing the real value of it. And and it's sort of it's got a ways to go for sure. Yeah. And it also I think is is too dependent on kind of a other system, a global system that it's trying to kind of work off of. I'm also kind of against Bitcoin, but that's my own personal view, and both for environmental reasons and otherwise. But I think the idea of local governments creating a local economy, a local monetary policy, and ideally they do it in a way that incorporates style principles and meaningful engagement, uh, participatory budgeting those kinds of things where people are actually having a say in the future of it, instead of it just kind of happening to them. Oh, now there's this new DC coin, right? That, that doesn't sound uh, very appealing, but I think that it could be designed in such a way and not all of them will be, (laughs) but it could be designed in such a way as to give real power back to the people to get, to provide a universal basic income or guaranteed income to fund Uh, and incentivize certain complex dynamics in how city governments operate and function and plan and to generate more revenue but not in a like oh we're making more money but in a like oh we're actually creating our own economy and acknowledging this economy that exists and and sort of creating a tool set so that that can be more empowered and so that people can benefit more directly from it Uh, because dc like so many other cities is very unequal and inequitable So the money, you know, when a city like D.C. is doing so well, it doesn't mean everybody's doing well. It means that the power is going into the hands of a few. So I'm interested in, yeah, in a decentralized city. And I'm also interested in decentralizing power and economic power within a city. And I think there are ways that local governments are also just communities of people, uh, mutual aid groups and other political organizing groups to be able to create those systems that decentralized economic power in their city.
0: And this is a segue into one of the subjects that I announced at the beginning of the show we're going to talk about, the subject of national politics and is it dead? And I know that you have some very specific pointed thoughts on the subject, and maybe let's start by framing it. What are we talking about here? Are we talking about flaws in the existing political system, or are we talking about the introduction of a new way of governance that is going to eventually take over in an amount of time? Help us frame that, that subject
1: here. Well, I mean, I don't, there's a lot of like people like what's going to happen definitely or like take over. I don't know. I think it's just there's going to be lots of different things happening. Like, I think we've grown up in this time of like single narratives and linear, linear time. And I feel like we're, gonna, we're entering very chaotic times, right? Where like, and this is partly DAOs and Web3 are part of this, but not the whole story of trust is breaking down right? Institutions are breaking down or at least have shown themselves to be based on little more than belief and trust. And now that the trust isn't there, new things will emerge and old things will transform or change or in both good and bad ways. There's an
0: interesting chart I saw on this subject. And it was was a a public vote in the United States of trust in their government. It was a, a survey done at a national level. And there was a And this is done annually, apparently. And the chart going back from pre-Vietnam War was somewhere hovering in the 80% of people were generally trusting of their government. And after the Vietnam War, and whether that's because of Vietnam or Watergate or other things and probably a a whole skew, maybe a mix of things, the current trust was somewhere in the 20 to 30%. And it was a very sharp drop. There was this, you know, 80% hovering and then this significant space of time and boom, right down to this 20 to
1: 30% and been hovering roughly down there ever since. That's earlier than I thought it would have been. I thought it would have like rebounded a little and then, and then come back down. But I, it makes sense. I'm going
0: to try and get the chart for the show notes here uh, just to make sure that I'm not you know, speaking out of my butthole and actually talking about real things. But that's how I saw it and interpreted it last time. So I'm gonna find out and, and put that on the show notes for everyone to consider. Because this is the subject, right? When trust goes down, this is basic supply and demand. When there's a demand for something, then a supply emerges. And when trust goes down, a demand comes up for another to solve it. And I know that you mentioned earlier that you know you're not you're not really into Bitcoin very much. I'm a maximalist, so we could have that argument offline, and that would be an interesting one, but off topic for this particular show. But I only bring it up because when trust and effectiveness of the current monetary system goes down, a demand comes up to replace it with something or fix it. And if the trust wasn't so low for our current system of economics and, and the fiat currency, then probably maybe the demand to create something like Bitcoin never would have existed. And maybe we wouldn't even be here today with talking about all this other Web3 stuff. So it's directly connected to, to what you're saying.
1: So when I say that national politics are dead, what I mean is that we have no coherent, trusted narrative anymore. And we it's not even just now there's two narratives. That's what people often want to do is like red and white or red and blue. But that's BS2, right? They're like, we're very splintered. There's not cohere, cohesive coalitions and there never really have been. It's always just been convenience and a, enough trust in the idea of what you're doing that people will continue to participate and. You know, I think I also, and this might piss off some people, but you know, I think what the choice in national politics is between people who don't believe in voting, Republicans or don't believe that everyone should vote, and people who are incompetent at providing a real cohesive alternative uh, in Democrats. And this is at a national level, obviously. and so i I think that we needed to at least get some sort of voting. Reforms so that there can continue to be changes in a way where people actually get a say in (laughs) moving forward, right? And I think there's been so many, honestly, Republican led things to you know, supposedly for integrity. And I understand the need for integrity, but it's pretty bad faith. And it hurts me to dismiss a national party, but that's what they've done (laughs) for me. That's what they've done to our politics is, is that. And so, you know, that the Democrats failed to get like a voting reform thing, you know, it just sort of feels like we're going to increase, we have so much, so much structural parts of our national politics are about preserving the rights of the minority that we've now let a minority run everything. And we've missed our shot. And again, I'm not like some, like the Democrats are the saviors, but like, I did think they needed to at least pass a voting rights thing, and that we've essentially failed at that does make me feel like, well, I can't keep put investing effort in national politics because it just feels like local's the only way that we can rebuild that level of trust can rebuild this like actual participation translating to change although there's problems with that too but it feels at least more changeable than the national politics which feels so hopeless at this point at least for me
0: you know people that are listening whether you're a republican or democrat or something else there's going to be obviously debates and perspectives that are endless and ceaseless but i think it's fairly accurate to say that we all generally agree there's probably more more problems than solutions as of today right now in uh, in national politics one of the things i'm wondering about in your opinion, Philip Laster, would you think that there's a correlation between the birth of CityDAO and the challenges that we're seeing at the national level of politics? In other words, if trust was high and if efficiency was high and if we had a, a, you know, well functioning, smooth government, would there be a need at all for a CityDAO and an exploration of decentralized ownership of land on chain and decentralized governance of a city?
1: I think there would be less interest in coming up with new governance (laughs) structures and new economic sources of power. A hundred percent. I will push back on one thing you said, which you said, like, I don't actually think the system is inefficient, although there are certainly inefficiencies. I feel like it's too focused on efficiency instead of on health, instead of on like us being actually happy. And I, I think that we focus so much on efficiency that we don't actually get any that much more efficient we focus on we get better at improving the metrics that we've created to measure efficiency but i think that often that doesn't actually mean that we're more efficient as a community or as a government so yeah so i wanted to push back on that just because i i think it's it's mostly about trust it's mostly about People don't feel, and rightly so often, that participation with government, whether that's voting, whether that's advocating, whether that's talking with your representative, sending letters, making calls, not you know, whatever, people don't feel like the, the effort they put in there actually changes anything. And in a lot of instances, especially on the national level, they're
0: right. Now, I'll use the subject of efficiency as a segue into the next subject here. And, you know, in a friendly debate style... I would say that there's um, far more inefficiencies than there are efficiencies. And government keeps expanding and growing and becoming more and more complicated with less and less results and more and more embarrassment at a national level, no matter what company it is, what country it is. You know, I'm in Canada, and I have a lot of things to be embarrassed about, even though there's a lot of things I'm proud about. So there's a, there's this ongoing balance. I don't know that it's trending in the right direction. And this is the segue that I think is perfect to frame this next subject of operating a DAO within our existing legal framework. It's a, it's such a gray world. Like, What can yeah. a DAO do? What can a DAO not do? How is a DAO to go about doing or not doing that specific thing that we don't even know if we're allowed to do or not allowed to do? What should a
1: DAO do? And
0: should we operate within the system or should we try and build our own? And should we rely on what we can and can't do, maybe or maybe not, possibly unsure today? Because is it going to change tomorrow? Whatever it is that we don't know today, is it going to be something we don't know further tomorrow or is reversal tomorrow? And so how much effort should we put into operating within the current completely gray framework of, of a DAO versus how much should we focus on doing what we really believe would be the right thing, whether or not there's a black and white text in a binary sense that says yes or no? Because a lot of times regulations and rules are built upon case, case law and case study and case law, case study comes from people, from pioneers doing something that hasn't been done before in order for it to be studied and then to have regulation drafted afterwards. And we're in the pre-phase, right? We're in the before the regulation phase. I mean, look at the, the Wyoming state law around Bill 38 for recognizing a doubt. It's a very short piece of document and it does not really say much at all whatsoever, So maybe I'll I'll pass the the speaking horn to you here on the subject of what do we do in this gray world as a DAO? And should we try or or to what degree?
1: Yeah, I've gone back and forth about it. I don't know, because no matter how much the system, current system feels bankrupt, and this is what I'm talking about, like, I don't think that necessarily a DAO or decentralized governance will take over or supplant our traditional legal governmental framework. So I'm always a big fan of how do we operate in the cracks and widen the cracks as we're in those cracks, right? And kind of make room for more, make room for more decentralized ownership, new ways to interact and organize and get our needs met. And yeah, new ways to think about community and think about how things change. So I'm very much I've been I was I've been convinced on a couple people I've I've listened to of just how we kind of at this point do need to operate within a legal framework and you know you hear this in a lot of the debates that the council and and the the, the first kind of what to do with the parcel zero uh, NFT drop about you know what people have joined this thing right it's sort of that's what's interesting about DAOs is you can create People can buy in on an idea before it exists, (laughs) in a way that is is harder with a traditional structure. But there are we're still in a legal framework. There still is legal liability, and there still are you know taxes to be paid. And we could just not do that, but we'd need to organize a whole hell of a lot more people and a lot more of a legal framework as to how we're not or why we're not in order to get there. So in the meantime, I think there are a lot of interesting ideas. I'm not a legal or real estate expert, but I have been convinced by a couple of the different conversations that have been had that we we need some sort of separation of legal liability at this point. But I'm going more towards the we should operate within some legal container, but that we should do it in the way that is as flexible as possible. And that allows us to be left alone as much as possible to try new things.
0: And I agree with that. And then, of course, practicing and implementing a good idea is a different story than conceptualizing it. And the challenge I think that City DAO and other DAOs are, are all facing is, you know, again, how do we and how do we not? If there is no rule book, then do we even know what we're doing is acting or behaving within a legal framework? Or is it maybe not? You know, And the biggest example that it always crosses my mind is uh, when people in a communist regime fill in the blank wherever that happens to be, I'll just say China for now because we know that you know there are People from China that own—they're not rights.
1: communists, though. They're like they're so, they're communist capitalists. <laughs> I don't think you can
0: have both. It's kind of like baking soda and vinegar. You have one or the other here uh, of an explosion I'll or disagree. not.
1: I'll, I disagree on that. I think the whole political spectrum and economic spectrum, I think, is is a fiction made up by by political scientists. But people are complex. Systems are complex. They're authoritarian communists, but they're also free market and that they are operating in the global free market, even though their local free market is not so free. So I don't know. I think I think they're they, they've are they they mixed up their forms of, of capitalism and, and communism in a super coherent way.
0: I'll agree with you that it's not binary, that there is a spectrum. And what I'm saying is that on the spectrum, if the spectrum is a scale of complete authoritarian dictatorship versus 100% free capitalistic market, what I'm saying is that China falls more towards the Communist authoritarian side of the spectrum than other countries would. And I think that's generally there's, easy to say. There's
1: libertarian communism.
0: Right. And I'm not saying that libertarian is a representation of the freedom either. I'm not really a libertarian or support that either. Or, or
1: I mean, you know, there's anarcho communism as well, right? Like uh, there's at least two sides of the spectrum, or at least two axes on the spectrum, right? And, and, and clearly, no matter what the
0: spectrum is, clearly China doesn't fall in the majority of the free side versus other countries. But that's all I'm saying. That's not free, but I wouldn't say that capitalism is
1: necessarily free.
0: Well, I mean, we're getting on a side tangent here, but capitalism <laughs> is by default a practical ap- application of individual rights and freedom. You can't have capitalism if you don't have a foundation in the philosophical realm of freedom and individual rights. Capitalism is simply an extension of individual rights and freedom. It's not something that comes before or can exist at all without it.
1: Well, I agree that it can't necessarily eliz- well, I mean what what about slavery, right? There was a bunch of there was a bunch of unfree people and capitalism was grown out of their stolen labor. That's a really good point. And to me that is not a capitalistic wait,
0: wait, wait. movement. That is an anti-capitalistic. It's a complete contradiction. Of essence well, to capitalism. To, to, well, yeah, just so if I if I complete that they're sentence, they're
1: not the same as capitalism. I'll say that. That's why I want to. I want to get there. Can be free markets in a anarchist or communist society. It's not uh, so elements.
0: Social. I would agree with you if we sub
1: if we added in the word elements of freedom,
0: because you know, just to, to finish well, the I thought we on,
1: have elements of of a free market now. They're like the idea yeah. that we have, like free market or socialism or too big or too small a government. I think are all they're all short-sighted.
0: There's definitely elements of free market in every country. And there's more elements in some countries than others. And there's less elements than some than others. And slavery was one of the absolute contradictions and violations in a grotesque, absolute sense from the founding of the United States.
1: But it still exists. We still lock people up. That's the glaring hole in the 13th Amendment, right? It is. And that's-
0: I-, I agree. I'm-, I'm not disagreeing. It is brutal that, that that happened. And it's a contrary to what freedom really is. It's, it's brutal.
1: But I'm, what I'm saying is it continues to exist, right? In the prison industrial complex and in just, in just so many ways that where people are forced to live a life that they don't want. There's not true freedom. And a lot of the people who've succeeded under our current system have been given a lot of government help to, you know, to get there or whether or not it's direct or indirect.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, our prison system uh, exists of people that forfeited their freedom by default of violating other people's freedoms as a well, concept.
1: Or, or they took plea deals or they, you know, we don't have a, a functioning justice system, which is exactly what we're talking about when we talk about like operating within or without the legal system is it's lost so much of its credibility because there are two justice systems at least. I
0: agree with you on that. I agree it's lost a lot of its credibility. And to me, it's one of the things that excites me the most about about CityDAO specifically. You know, I think about what is the greatest effect on change that I could personally possibly make as a human? And I come up with a, you know, you know I'm not omniscient. I don't know everything. You know, you're probably smarter than me. I don't know the real answers, but I do come up with my own, you know, individual thought process of what are some of the things I could do. And when I look way down the road, I think, man, you know, if I could be a part of a movement that helps to bring a better system, a more efficient system of governance into the world. And I could properly affect that change in in whatever capacity that I could. What better time to be a part of a movement like that than its very, very early beginnings? And personally, this is what gets me so excited about, because one thing that you and I agree on, I'm on a limb here, but I'm, I'm positive that we do. One thing that we totally agree on is that better is possible. And this is a segue into this next subject here of curiosity and what role does curiosity play in a DAO? And for me, I'm absolutely curious to know what sort of role a DAO could play in bettering the way that humans deal with each other. Because we could substitute the word governance, which is a kind of a buzzword thrown around to just be how do humans deal with each other? How do we live together harmoniously productively?
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think I would push back on the productive and the e- efficient part of what you said. But otherwise, I, I definitely agreed. And I think, I think that's really what curiosity is about. It right? is like, Staying there, there are certain parts of some things that you take to be as inherently true, just from your you know mental model of understanding and operating within the world that trigger me or make me be like, no, 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 we're not going to let that get away with it, right? But just on that note, you know, I, I every time
0: I talk to people and and go into philosophy or politics, to me, like the foundations of the word argument are coming from a place in ancient Aristotelian times. Of people that are seeking truth and they 're presenting facts that they 've researched or, or reflected on or, or considered, and they 're presenting two sides because the foundation is that you and I want the human race to do well we want something that 's going to benefit everyone we want we want to live a good life we want our children to live a good life, and we want to find a way that 's going to get there and so every time when I hear people debate when it goes into like an argument where it's aggressive and and like maybe we see on the national political level, you know, it's like, come on guys, literally you are both humans. You're both trying to serve the human race and help us get to a better place. And they forget that. And to me, the debate like that we're having, you know, we might be coming from different backgrounds, but it doesn't change the fact that we're trying to find the right way to live as a species. And and this is one of the common vibes that we have about City now, I think.
1: Yeah, no. And I think, I think there are a lot of pieces of what you said that I really I really resonate with me. I think it's not even just humans, right? It's like we're we're living creatures. we have a shared interest in living a good life, like you said, and we have a shared interest of like having our needs and desires met, right and sometimes there those needs and desires are intention. I think we can't pretend like, oh, we can be all kumbaya and everybody can get what they want win win, win, win win. I think sometimes that can exist. Someone does have to, like, concede. <laughs> and, like, you, sometimes you have to force people to concede. Democracy, right? <laughs> well, democracy and and also, again, like, community, right? Of, like, someone, there's this indigenous thinker, Tyson Porta in his book called Sand Talk. And he talks about in any community, in any society, there is this emu, this character, that, and in any person, there's an emu, right, of, like, it's all about me. I want it. It's, you know, you're like going around and you're like, you're, you're demanding and it's, you're the most important thing. It's, it's hierarchy. It's domination in a lot of ways. And the role of all the other players, all the other animals and creatures in the forest, in the community, in the person is to not try and eliminate those guys because you can't, because they exist, right. But to restrain them to dissolve them, to hold them down together collaboratively and figure out what we can do together. Absolutely, right.
0: And and this is where looking at CityDAO as a group of people, scientists, you could say, trying to figure out what it is that we can do together and how can we move things forward. And the subject of curiosity in its role in a DAO For me, I think it's a primary factor. I think without curious, I mean, actually, I I guess I should give perspective on a lot of people join a DAO because they want to get, they want to get rich. When moon? When moon? Right. And, and it's like, come on, guys. Like, that's not what this is about. But I, I get it. People are in that for that. And I'm not hating on them at all. I just think it's, I just think it's humorous. Here we are trying to change the world and people are like, when moon? When moon? So I get that. That's, that's a thing. But for me, I wouldn't be a part of City DAO if I wasn't curious and I wouldn't be looking for things. And looking for ways to be involved with movements that help the human species, if I wasn't curious about it, if I wasn't hopeful about it, if I didn't believe that there is a way to do it, that that we have enough brain power amongst us all to figure it out. I wonder, you know, if we did a survey, what level of result we would get, you know, on a ranking, how much curiosity plays a role in this DAO or other DAOs? What do you think?
1: I mean, yeah, I don't know how we would frame that polling question, but yeah, I mean, I think that is what drew me to City Tao, Right? Is like there isn't cohesive ideology, and yet we all believe in this idea of like of land as where value from technology where can actually be nourished. And I think that yeah, there's a lot of openness and curiosity, and yeah, I mean, I think when to go back to the wind moon idea of like people demanding quick bucks it's like that's not actually what a moon is to me right a moon would be us being a force us being you know you know wherever you go you can find a place to stay in city dao that city dao has little slivers in the cracks of of every major city and you can find it and whether that's some of it is housing, some of it is third places, restaurants, parks, apartment buildings, art m- museums, farms, and that all of those are all part of city Dow. You know, I think that that is like, wow, that's a moon, right? <laughs> that That's we're living in a totally new fucking place where, you know, the possibilities aren't so stuck in just trying to make a quick buck, but we're all actually have real long-term stability and that that is a revolution, even if it doesn't overthrow the government.
0: And what do you think about the subject of nation-states and anarchy? I have actually no idea where you wanted to go with that subject. So I'm just kind of curious where, again, on that subject of curiosity, what were you leaning towards when you brought that up in the bullet points here, when you pinged me on Discord?
1: Yeah, I think, well, one, anarchy, anarchism, I think I'm even torn about all those terms. I don't think that the opposite of a nation state is anarchy. Uh, And anarchism is just that idea of, you know, how do we operate and get things done together, not depending on the state and knowing that that's the real level of stability, right? That is the real vision of, you know, it's not chaos, it's community. And, you know, I think anarchists would debate that as well. I'm sort of a weird anarchist because I'm an electoral anarchist. I'm working on a local government race and I'm still evolving and understanding and trying to stay curious about what I believe, because I don't think that if you're like, oh, this is true, like capitalism is the way and that is freedom. I think you get rigid, right? Or anarchism or socialism is the way and that is the only possible path Full whatever. You get rigid, you get stuck in the label and you don't get to kind of stay with what's possible, right? And that's, there's another, I forget, uh, oh man. Oh, the anarchists are gonna hate me. (laughs) There's an enlightenment thinker who uh, often doesn't get a lot of the credit. Oh man, this is gonna kill me. But he talks about joy as being not just happiness, but like what's possible together, right? What can we do together? And I think that for me, that idea is what draws me into politics. That's what draws me into DAOs. And acknowledging that our systems of nation states, we're not going to do anything that would take it down necessarily. And I don't know if that's the right move or not, to be honest, if, even if we could. But what we could do, and what I think cryptocurrencies are at their core, and maybe DAOs are a slightly more organized, intentional version of that, or could be, is a nation state or at least a nation, right? It's a idea. It is based off of something tangible, whether that's land in a nation state or technology in a blockchain. And it is proving that a lot, what gives nation states value is the connections between them and the belief in them. Right. And, you know, I'm personally against our current system. I, I feel like it's been very destructive of nation states. And I don't think it's the right move to try and take that down. I'm not that kind of a radical, right? I'm the kind of radical who wants to be like, well, let's build our own, right? Let's build our own system that can grow slowly, not to supplant or undo the rest of it, but to build what we want together now. And so
0: this leads into a interesting question that I'm, I'm, I always love asking. Just as we wrap up here, is what is your vision of CityDAO moving forward? Where do you think this is going versus where would you really like it to go? And you can pick the time frame—one year, ten years, wherever you like.
1: Well, I think a lot. It's like what I said before: of just you can find a sliver of CityDAO wherever you go. You can meet your needs, whether that's housing, food, fresh air, just a great place to go and engage a job, whatever it is, from being in this kind of decentralized city. And I think that that is a very long-term dream. I think in the meantime, it's like in the five, 10 years, it's like five or 10 places, right, that are not necessarily meccas, but are destinations, are beacons of another way of organizing and another sort of way of building power. So, yeah, I mean, I think... We're not necessarily going there because there's a lot of legal real estate (laughs) technical stuff that has to, that are, there's a lot of hurdles, but I think I see us being a container that can build those types of things using this technology. I don't think that this technology that we are using is completely like, this is the only way we can build it, but it is a tool for making it easier to build that. And so I'm definitely in to see where we go and yeah, hopefully build that, that moon that I saw, right? Like that, that. for me, the wind moon is like, it's not, it's an infinite game. I, I, have you heard of infinite games? No, I haven't. So there's a book called Finite and Infinite Games. And the idea is there are at least two types of games, finite games, which are played to be one and infinite games, which are played to continue play. And for me, that is like, that's what life is all about, is like, how can we continue to play? How can we continue to be in community and connection and relationship together? And yeah, I see DAOs as as one of the tools, uh, as well as like land, permaculture, building, you know, community and real space as another tool and amongst a set of them that would allow us to continue play as the old system kind of collapses and feels increasingly unstable, build that stability amongst ourselves and build that economic and political power amongst ourselves.
0: I think it's an interesting vision. And I I like that. I like this continuous movement towards improvement and where we're going to be is hopefully going to be better than where we are. And that's going to be on repeat over and over and over. So this is a fun chat. You know, I like the friendly, you know, heated stuff. We really are a part of the same community. And I think that this is one of the things that's important to keep in mind is when a DAO in any community reaches a certain size, no one is programmed the exact same way as someone else. And one of the biggest things I'm noticing in City DAO, more so than others, just because I'm not really as active in other DAOs as I am here, but how do we deal with different opinions and how does a DAO that's community inclusive move forward in a way that, does consider other options and is respectful and does rep- represent majority vote instead of some dominant figure. It's a huge subject. And, you know, I'm really interested in it.
1: Yeah, it's tough. We're struggling just like everyone else. And we're thriving just like everyone else too in our own way. So totally. I'm going to see where it goes. And thanks for having me, man.
0: Well, thanks for your time, Philip Lester. Appreciate it. And everyone that's listening, make sure to check out our Discord. Uh, Just join on the conversations, add your own thoughts, propose a subject for us to debate on. We will. You'll find me on there. I'm inside the Discord. And you can also check out the website in our FAQ. Also go back through past episodes. You'll find a lot of interesting stuff there. Other than that, we will see you online on the CityDAO Discord. Uh, Make it a great week. And we'll see you on the show.